Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement. Because we are going down with these ships. Welcome back, listeners, to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I am Nathan. (laughs) And I am Meg. (laughs) And this week, we hope you're hungry because we're talking about snack. (laughs) Um, Nom, 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 (laughs) nom. That has to be one of my favorite ship names. Probably, what's the other one? There's one with Draco. And what is it? Either with Theo? I think Theo and Draco is Taco. Oh my God, that's incredible. (laughs) I love it. Yes. I want to go to that taco truck. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Everyone does. (laughs) So snack, of course. Well, I say of course. A lot of people ask, what the heck is snack? Um, So it's Severus Snape and... Serious black of course it so is. <laughs> yeah so we get we're getting one of those um marauders versus snape pairings which i absolutely love you know we went into james when we did the um you know jeverly snotterly episode <laughs> and uh but yeah but i love i love their dynamic too because it's something obviously that can happen during school and also yeah. transcend through whether it was something that there was betrayal involved, that T was in Azkaban and Severus did not go to Azkaban, and then coming out afterwards and reconnecting and yabba blah, blah. There's a lot of things to go into with these ones. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a lot of extra, I, I don't necessarily want to call it baggage, but um, yeah. ephemera that we need to consider when it comes to unpacking their characters. And I just want to say for the benefit of our listeners and for context, you've just come off recording a very very yes. intense episode of snape chat which i did had to do with severus snape and sex which informs this episode but is not directly <laughs> related to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah nathan was like oh you just did so much with you know with severus do you want to actually keep talking about him and i was like actually yes like that was <laughs> We went into a lot of things, so hopefully, um, if it hasn't, either this is after October 1st and it's out, so that's the goal for that episode to be released, and then we'll link that. Otherwise, it should be out October 1st. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea when this episode will air, but but yeah, but that's super exciting, and uh, yeah, I, I... this is going to be fun. I'm just, I'm really excited. In a way, I sort of am a little bit confused that we haven't done Snape sooner. Because we did, yeah. like you say, we did the Snotterly episode. But then we haven't really touched Snape since. And Mm-mm. for us, that's weird. Because I know that Snape is probably your favourite character. 
question mark? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, def- between. Oh, yeah, I would say overall, like Snape Central, then probably Draco next. Like I love those, you know, the two different era Slytherin characters. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say Snape has got to be number one. <laughs> so what you're saying is that for like an ultimate celebration of your birthday or whatever, we need to be doing a <laughs> Snape slash Draco episode. <laughs> oh my God, that would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> Just kidding, everyone. We're actually doing Snape slash Draco. <laughs> have a script we could do that like, like we don't i need to no because <laughs> i have to look at the calendar now like <laughs> not that anything makes any sort of sense so right yeah. now we're in august right now recording and today is what day okay so monday we're supposed to release the percy slash Right? Percy slash Oliver. Yes. And then and then on the fifth is supposed to be this episode. So <laughs> technically I'd be happy with either. But we this would technically be my birthday ish episode. <laughs> Well then, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to Megs. Megs, what do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? Because okay, I okay, I I am Snape and Draco. I 100 percent behind okay, cool. doing Snape yeah. and Draco. Let's, we let's will come back to snack. So this is still a tasty snack. It's just a different tasty snack. <laughs> This pairing, <laughs> this Snape and Draco has so much drama. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're both absolute theatre kids, and they've lent into it. <laughs> and they they know how to make an entrance, and they know how to make an exit. And so I want to know, in this scenario, like, are they aged down? Are they aged up? Is one learning from the other? Is it like adult Snape and like teen Draco? Or how are you seeing this in your in your brain? Okay, so a big headcanon that I have, you know, which is canon, you know, like canon supporting is um, the whole like Half-Blood Prince where Severus is looking out for Draco, like yeah. for Narcissa, as well as, you know, when Draco has to spend time at the manor and obviously is... As far as we know, you know, like becomes a Death Eater or at very least is like involved in, you know, a lot of the stuff there. Like Severus is someone who it's like he's maintaining the spy, you know, persona. So a lot of times what he does is he's the one who's like protecting Draco because obviously like... I mean, it just is what it is. It's the Death Eaters. We're getting into some really, you know, Mm -hmm. dark people. Like the fact that it's like there's people that could see Draco as weak, would want to prey on him and, you know, play with him essentially. And then Severus either being like, no, like he could be a gift from the Dark Lord because Lucius lost favor after the Department of Mysteries. But Severus only uses that as a means to protect Draco. It's not like he actually, you know, takes advantage of a teenager or anything like that. But it's with that trust and support of having someone that he knew that he felt he could trust, but then was kind of 
not was hesitant of and then to have him come back and be there for him like obviously then I could see that growing into something more you know genuine and things like that so that's a big one is I I love the idea of Severus protecting Draco during that time because obviously he was very vulnerable to a lot of things and probably asked and forced yeah. to do a lot of stuff like I'm trying to remember like isn't there someone had is it Harry that has a vision of Draco I don't know maybe it was in a fan fiction <laughs> probably in a fan fiction Harry has like a vision <laughs> of seeing Draco have to torture somebody through Voldemort's line of sight so maybe that was in a fan fiction I don't know if it was in the story I, I feel like that was fan fiction um, okay after um, I started saying it I was like that probably was like a dreary <laughs> fanfic so if anyone knows that fic <laughs> Because I have I've read way too many Drary to know. But um but like you could obviously see him having to do things like his job was to kill Dumbledore. So yeah. that was a big thing that obviously Voldemort didn't think he was going to end up surviving, guessing that, you know, Dumbledore would either stop him or even may possibly kill him. So yeah. So that's so that's my main over like as far as like the most inspired by canon before we start getting into just all around, you know, fan fiction, AU divergent stuff. That's sure. my favorite thing, favorite basis for the start of their relationship. And that makes sense to me because it's a time when Draco is at his most vulnerable. He's yeah. lost his father, he's in Azkaban. Um or is he in Azkaban? No. Well, anyway, his his father is disgraced and sort of discredited yes. by the Death Eaters for having failed at the Ministry of Magic. And mm -hmm. so he's feeling the family pressure, I suppose, and the, mm -hmm. the hereditary pressures of the Malfoy line. And I can see Snape stepping in as a sort of surrogate father figure for Draco, definitely. Mm -hmm. And there's potential for offshoots from that. Um, right. Now, up until recently, as we know, I <laughs> didn't really see Snape as a very benevolent character. I saw mm -hmm. him as maybe doing the best he could, but I saw him as being sort of quite out for himself and a little bit mm -hmm. ruthless. And it's interesting now that we've sort of become friends and talked about this at greater length, that I see that in a different way. Um, mm -hmm. And... I could see him definitely being more of a protector to Draco. But the mm -hmm. question is, and I suppose I'm really interested in your perspective on this, <laughs> is how much of this is Snape taking advantage of Draco? And how mm -hmm. much is it Snape being a necessary, you know, necessarily being a support to Draco because Draco needs that? You mm -hmm. know, where's the line? Yeah, so... I definitely am here for both. <laughs> I'm totally fine with either Why dynamic. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> but I definitely picture, um, in relation to like what I was talking about before, like Severus going in purely like mentor position. I mean, he's his head of house. He's taught him. He's always been one of his, you know, favorites. I mean, be that between his, you know, relationship with Lucius and things like that. Like they've always had like I like I kind of see it as they probably have a similar relationship to what Harry and Dumbledore had. Sure. You know, like yeah. I'm sure that 
I'm sure Draco showed up bitching all day long to like, you know, Severus, like Harry, blah, blah, blah. Like he was doing with his dad. Like <laughs> yes. when he's like, Harry and Hermione and blah, blah, blah. And Snape's just like, oh my God. Just like, oh, stop. But I could see them having like that, a really close, you know, obviously platonic mentor, mentee, you know, teacher student relationship that that is also a little bit closer because a lot of people say he's um, Draco's godfather, which isn't canon, but a lot of people do like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, name him as that. So that's another thing of like, you know, growing up and being someone that Draco always trusted and knew as like family um, as he grew older. So I. So I just, I see if it was like a protecting Draco situation in the beginning, it would like, it would not be on Snape's radar for it to become romantic. Like I feel like Draco, because like we said, he's at his vulnerable state. No one is nice to him. His, you know, his like, who knows, like his father might not be talking to him because he thinks that he's Severus's plaything or something like that. Or, um, you know, things with his mother who knows what the reasons behind it but he's his main support so it's like that like it's almost like forced proximity trope you know what i mean like they're meant to spend time together either for reasons that it's like he's supposed to be taking advantage of you know this teenager but he's not they're really just sitting around reading books and like (laughs) (laughs) so it's like i just i feel like it would be a draco thing of slowly seeing a different side to severus because because even if they were close i feel like at school he would still be like professional he would still be like if you need to talk to me about something you know like i'm someone to to come to to, but i'm still like i'm your teacher you're my student whereas in a situation like this snape is feeling the burden of being a spy and living in that place and and doing what he needs to do that I'm sure like if they have to like share a room let's say like they they have to share the room then he gets starts to Draco starts to see sides of Snape that like you know that start coming to the surface because he's you know he's worn out he's tired um I think we kind of uh, went in on that a little bit with Bellamine, like talking about Bellatrix, like she's ruthless and puts on this front and, you know, publicly mm-hmm. because she wants to come across as someone who's strong, you know, within the circle, because whether it is because she's a woman or for whatever reasons, that then she could become vulnerable with someone else behind closed doors. So I feel like it was an, it would be an opportunity for Draco and Draco to see sides of Snape that he wouldn't otherwise see. I see that trope a ton in um, in Snary. Like when Harry finally starts to see sides of Snape yeah. that he keeps hidden and like, you know, pulling out different vulnerabilities and past traumas and things like that. So I, I, when it comes to Severus, like it's either like I'm in for reading, like just like porn, like porn, no plot, <laughs> just like I'm just coming in just to read some porn. Otherwise, I love his character as a slow burn just because he's so complex. He's so guarded. He's so broken. He needs someone to get in there and you see that a lot with snary like harry's the one who's slowly working his way in and i could absolutely still see that for draco but you know their relationship at least it doesn't have the like the like hate to love thing like it's definitely like friends or at least like acquaintances trusting 
people to eventual lovers that yeah. I mean still I love when Severus is like no I cannot I'm too old for you you know <laughs> <laughs> I cannot that dramatic like voice idea. with the enunciated T <laughs> no it's impossible I yes. simply can't because I because I also love the idea of like okay Draco is given to, like he's given to Snape right I'm still I'm still here mm-hmm. this happened yeah um so <laughs> So Voldemort gave Draco to Snape and Draco's like, okay, I guess this is part of it. And he's like, you know, ready to like do the thing. And Snape's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do anything to you. And then Draco's like, why not? Am I not attractive? Like becoming this total brat. And like, I just, I can also see that for Draco too, of being, you know, like, so I love all of it. Like, because obviously Draco's in a place and I just... Yeah, so so that's those things. But I also read plenty um, and have written, actually, uh, where Snape obviously is, like, is a dark character. So he's not, like, that yeah. redeemable, you know, character. Like, that's, I mean, I, I think about it. I'm like, oh, that's why I bring up this he's a gift to Severus thing because that's what I wrote. He literally was a <laughs> gift to Snape. But in this one... It was very different. He definitely was like, okay, you're my plaything and stuff. So that's so I'm obviously into that too. I think I read that one. You probably did. You, I think. Yeah. You, yeah, I feel like I read that. Yeah, you beta. It was for non-conathon. That's, the, that 2020? definitely rings a bell. Yes, 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 yes. So, yep, there's a lot happened in that story. So. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And a lot of it was very yeah. questionable and very hot at the same time. <laughs> I just, those are the best comments from you when you were just like, I read something and I just got the most inconvenient and I'm just shocking erection of like, I just like, couldn't, <laughs> it's like inconvenient. I just, where yeah. did this come from? Apparently, whatever. Yeah. So fiction is fiction, guys. Fiction is fiction. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and that's something I think that uh, uh, more people could, really listen to and do with internalizing is yeah. that it's it's words on a page it isn't real mm-hmm. life um mm-hmm. i know that we talk about it seriously like it is yes a, a matter of life and death because of course for these characters <laughs> it is yeah. but also i'm so glad that you brought up snarry because in a strange way draco is harry's foil Draco is mm-hmm. what Harry almost would have been if he'd mm-hmm. been brought up pure blood and yes. been, you know, raised by wizards only and had that upbringing and mm-hmm. just been exposed to to that side of the world. So, um, in terms of just narrative structure and plot, Draco is there to be Harry's other to represent mm-hmm. something that Harry isn't. But in a strange way, mm-hmm. they're also mirror images for each other. Yes. So when uh, Snape and Draco get together, I almost sort of think, it's not necessarily at the expense of Snarry, but I see Snarry in it because I'm like, this is the side of Harry that he would never give vent to because mm-hmm. Harry's too oblivious and too modest. Yeah. And Draco yeah. leans into it. Draco mm-hmm. is all about being the brat and being mm-hmm. the, you know, if I'm going to be a trophy, I'm going to live <laughs> up to this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I know? know that's why I just see him being like, what? You don't want me? Why? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And Snape's just like, oh my god, like there's so many reasons why. Like there's just so many reasons. 
I'm straight. I was in love with Lily Ovens. <laughs> well, just wait until I have my hands on you. We'll see how straight you are. <laughs> Spaghetti straight until it's cooked, Professor. <laughs> amazing <laughs> spaghetti the rest of this podcast episode will just be us laughing at each other we're done <laughs> tune in next week when we'll be coherent again <laughs> the first 10 minutes of this episode was us thinking we were doing severus and Sirius black <laughs> sorry Sirius. you'll come back next time yes you'll come back next time we're the, we're the sorry not sorry this is this is great <laughs> Yeah, Draco has just elbowed his way in. He's like, no, this is my entrance. I am Mm -hmm. here in my platform shoes and my cape, and I am wearing my eyeliner. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love how dramatic fan fiction Draco is in Mm -hmm. comparison to uh, ordinary standard narrative Mm -hmm. Draco that we get. In fan fiction, Draco is the definition of extra. And I love pairing that with Snape because Snape likes to think that he's all brooding and dark and mysterious and moody and nobody understands me and Mm -hmm. nobody will ever unravel my inner turmoil. And of course, Draco Mm -hmm. just sees it and goes, that's a nice act, but I can do (laughs) drama too. Exactly, I just, and I definitely see, um, you know, Draco's just, he's going to have that stubborn edge. Like, I feel like we, like, kind of like that correlation with Snary, like, a lot of times, like, Harry's stubborn and is trying to, like, get in with, you know, with Severus. But I feel like Draco would just be blatantly, like, this is what I want. Give it to me because I'm an entitled, (laughs) you know, little shit. And then Severus is like, no, you don't always get what you ask for. And, And Draco's just like watch me robes fall to the floor and he's he's completely naked (laughs) (laughs) classic severus i must control like you're dramatic again i must control my urges (laughs) i just cannot i will not i cannot this is my godson <laughs> Little did I know he would grow into such a fine specimen of a man. <laughs> oh man. And uh and then also I love um the like Snape lives like AU. Yes. Where after the war, obviously Snape comes forward as a, you know, a spy, like being for the quote unquote good, you know, like good mm-hmm. side. And then Draco a lot of times is written as like having his like redemption arc of he was he was forced into it. Like he didn't necessarily completely yeah. align all of his values with it. Like a lot of times Harry obviously re- you know they they grow like not necessarily a romantic relationship but uh, but build a relationship post war because everyone's like it was the war was the war yeah. we were kids whatever like it doesn't matter and so i could see them their relationship growing from that because his father is in you know is 
as far as we know, in Azkaban, most likely. So then Severus, if he was in any part of his life throughout, like he's going to maintain like a really close relationship with him. Yeah. And that's another opportunity for like Draco's older and, you know, and it's just starting to to get away from like, I was just terrified of everything. Like either like I... Like, he was, like, a cocky little asshole through school. And then things got real. And then I'm sure he was just completely terrified and wasn't thinking about anything romance whatsoever. And then, you know, comes later on, like, I could see him just being that person that we went through this together. Like, obviously, Draco didn't go through it to the extent that Severus did. No one, you know, could have, you know, understood what he went through. But at least he could understand Draco. So he would be someone that Draco could feel like he could go to him and understand, you know, especially if he doesn't want to talk or to open up or talk to anyone else about it. I can also yeah. see him shutting down and not wanting to talk to anybody and Narcissa being like, you need to talk to someone. How about Severus? Like, and it's just like, no, like doesn't want. And then finally when it happens, like, ah, then we, you know, opening up, vulnerability, eventually fall yeah. in love, happily ever after, voila. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because Draco is such an interesting character from that point of view, because of course, it's easy for Harry to take the moral high ground because he's had the luxury almost of having all of that, I suppose, counselling and mm-hmm. growing up as the outsider. So he's really had the luxury of being able to choose, I suppose, his own moral position. And Draco really hasn't had that. Yes, he's been a spoiled, entitled brat. Mm-hmm. Um and he certainly played that part well. But I think when the chips were down and it required him to actually act on the side of Lord Voldemort and the Death Eaters, um, we saw the strain that that put him under. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was waltzing into this with any degree of ease, being like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll just use the vanishing cabinet in the room of requirement to right. bring everybody into the school, because I have no problems with this whatsoever. He was right. really struggling with this decision, and he knew that his livelihood would ride on the choices that he made there. So mm-hmm. I, I don't buy that he was just this sort of two-dimensional... Um, thoughtless sycophant of Voldemort's Mm -hmm. that was just going along to get along. And so I suppose that's another reason he resents somebody like Harry is because he's jealous of the capacity of someone like Harry to have the luxury to have the choice of arriving Mm -hmm. at his very easy position of moral good from his point Mm -hmm. of view, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when after the war, when he starts to square all this together and he's like okay I made some very dark choices but they almost weren't mine to make because I was pressured into making them how does that square then with because some writers will say oh this is where Draco and Harry should get together and there's room Mm -hmm. for that as well I don't want to say that Draco and Harry aren't a pairing that I ship because let's be fair I ship everything but (laughs) But for the purposes of this episode, let's just say that he isn't able to, to use a political analogy, cross the aisle in that mm-hmm. regard. 
and he doesn't find that easy. He's going to go to someone, let's say Snape lives, he's going to want to go to someone who has had to make the tough choices Mm -hmm. like him for advice, for like, how do you square these terrible things that you've done against being the person that you are slash have grown into? And who better is there for him than Snape in that situation? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's just to, I also, there's also the, um, like part, like it's kind of a two part thing, like with Draco, like seeing how, like how few relate, like how few close relationships like Severus has, like as far as we know and can see, like apart, you know, Lucius, I guess, you know, kind of as far as like someone who's like a close friend, Dumbledore, you know, to some extent, whether it can be Mm. said that they were actually friends or not. Um, So either A, Draco could see him as a person of like, like has no one and either can feel like, see Severus as someone who doesn't have anybody and feel sorry for him and want to be someone, you know, Mm. more important to him or like enjoying the fact that he's one of the only people that Severus talks to or interacts with because Draco's Draco and loves that sort of attention Um, as well as like the fear of ending up alone of like feeling like am I as broken or gone through the like enough traumas from the war to that kind of are reflected in someone like Severus who has gone through up until that point as far as we know like no relationships or real connections with anybody and Draco potentially being scared of not being able to have anything real elsewhere because of that example, but then them finding that together, which is also really nice. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And I suppose the wholesome side of that isn't something that I sort of readily jump at, but it Mm -hmm. is there as well. I mean, they are human characters at the end of the day who have come Mm -hmm. through trauma. You know, much as I may just want to read porn occasionally... (laughs) Yeah. It is. It's not realistic for their minds to be on porn all the time, and sometimes they're gonna want to. Is it you know... though? Is it not? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course they're characters, so yes, they can have you know fifteen <laughs> orgasms each a day. But... Absolutely, just but... buckets of cum. Buckets. Exactly. Buckets. It's dripping out of them. Everywhere. It's just, it's just like they, they just, they have to have sex in a wet room because everything just gets too sticky. Okay, so I have to bring this up. Just talking about this. So. Oh dear! I accidentally so... brought up cum, and now I have a tangent. Go on, Meg. <laughs> So dumpsters are really hard to get right now. So we were lucky to get one for the house. But my husband's parents were doing some spring cleaning and stuff and they couldn't get a dumpster. Apparently, you can go to your local hardware store and buy the bagster, which is essentially an Ikea bag that is ginormous, and it is a dumpster, like a portable dumpster. What? It is also the size of a bed. So if you're into some very wet in you know stuff oh my hey 20 20 dollars roll that out on your bed have your fun call up you know call them up and they'll come and take it away for you i thought no i no that is not where i thought this was going i thought that you were gonna say that you could see draco's handle on an app being the bagster (laughs) 
also checks out. <laughs> <laughs> so that um yeah so all of those things it just was like when we saw it like open like in their garage we're like huh so i guess if someone was into some really messy stuff it would be the perfect way like it's it's got walls it's like it's just a rollout self-contained whatever like go crazy people yeah. so if you want to end up as a human jackson pollock painting you too... <laughs> yes <laughs> draco you too, absolutely Penny. does <laughs> well he's been through a lot right i feel like he feels he would need to overcompensate by being extra good to himself and draco mm-hmm. has very specific ideas about how to achieve that but also i see now why you want to record in private and why you don't want people <laughs> around you <laughs> we literally just talked about like people getting very wet <laughs> oh draco never change of course yes you know speaking about this while we're on the subject it could be that snape is particularly Mm -hmm. you know in need of 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 some vigorous (laughs) support in that area (laughs) i can't stop thinking about i think there's a mayhem that we wrote forever ago which will just of course there's a And it's Harry and Forenzi. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) It's the best. It is literally the best. It needs to get on AO3. I love that one so much. I don't know why it's taken me so long, so hopefully I can do that. But um, one of the descriptors was that Harry was so full, he was going to burst like a, like, what was it? Like a, like a, a, whatever, a jelly donut. Or like he was, it was just, it was something else. Oh man! Do you know it what? Was like so funny. As a as a as a bonus episode, <laughs> I will sit and record myself trying to oh, read gosh, that out yes. loud. Yes. Assuming assuming that everybody that contributed to that mayhem is happy enough with me reading it, that will oh, be. Oh, for thing sure. I I, I think that was enthusiastically expressed a long time ago. <laughs> And there's art. Someone drew art because they were confused on how they fit together. And the fact that (laughs) Forenzi had a human penis and a horse penis and how that worked in regards to where it was. I remember this art. I remember the details. (laughs) The detailed discussion about this. Yes. Um, And I was very, do you know, the the fan that drew this was very committed to this moment. And I just appreciate that level of dedication and passion. It is, I I would struggle to come across (laughs) that in any other fandom. But, you know, someone was like, I'm going to draw Forenzi with two penises and it's going to be phenomenal. Because it's like, if it has, if he has two penises, like one's in Harry's mouth, one's in his ass, how does this work? Is the penis between his front legs like a human and then the horse penis is between his back legs? And they were like, it sounded like they were both in the back. So does he have just a really long penis that can make its way up to Harry's mouth? And it was just... <laughs> and is it prehensile? You know, is... is, is... <sighs> Is the is the animal one prehensile and the human one just human? Um, yeah, I know. Right, exactly. We're just like we don't. 
don't yeah. Know. Also, biologically, I think I'm right in saying that humans are one of the only um, species not to have a penis bone, which means that they, as they get erect, they don't follow a, a particular sort of straight line. They, that's why they sort of, um, well, I don't want to say they get wobbly, but you know what I mean? They don't, <laughs> they don't follow like a straight line upwards. Whereas, uh-huh. whereas I'm reliably informed in other animals, that is not the case. <laughs> this discussion has gone down a very weird road and I would like to back out of this conversation. It wouldn't be care of magical shippers if it did. <laughs> so anyway. The the point is there's a there's a brilliant mayhem somewhere with Ferenzi with two penises. <laughs> also, we need to do more mayhem. This is what yes. this is making me realise. We need to actually do some more mayhem. That would be nice. Because um, we need a custard a donut. That's what it was. A custard oh, no. donut. Oh no. Harry oh, was no. so full to burst. Oh no. <laughs> like a custard donut. As somebody who's <laughs> as somebody who has successfully eaten quite a few custard donuts in his lifetime, I I am deeply disturbed by <laughs> by the visceral nature of that image. Next time you get one, just oh, squeeze no. it a little bit. Oh no! <laughs> my God! Oh my God! <laughs> Just, just a little bit. Just, <laughs> just getting the getting the custard in my mustache. Like, <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh. I hurt everywhere. I'm laughing so hard. Um, Snape and Snape and Draco. <laughs> How can we bring this back round to Snape and Draco right now? Um, well, Draco's the custard. <laughs> <donut>. <laughs> They roll out their Baxter, <laughs> Jackson Pollock, and it's a donut action, and it's just, maybe it's a feeder situation where, you know, Snape is feeding Draco, and there's just custard everywhere. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, they are, they're both entitled to happiness, and they get it however yes. they see fit. Yes. And if that, whether that involves custard or other... <laughs> <laughs> or other condiments we, we, we will leave it at that um but but as you know as a thirsty reader of fan fiction and as a thirsty writer of fan fiction sort of a consumer of fan fiction um i'm curious to know how like the dy- how you see the dynamic between snape and draco playing out in the bedroom do you see snape as more of a top in the situation is is draco more of a bottom because i have some thoughts but i'm i'm keen to hear your input i absolutely when it comes to them i definitely see draco as a bratty bottom or like or crying because he doesn't want it you know yeah either of those things um but i also i love the idea of any pairing with severus where he's able to reach a point of trust with someone and is able to give up control to someone else so i feel like if 
if there was going to be a switch in that relationship, it would come later, you know, like when it would take a while for Severus to feel like he could give himself over to someone, not to mention like, you know, someone younger and like, you know, trust is huge. Trust is huge. But so I, I mean, I definitely, the primarily what I see, what I find and what I, you know, picture when it comes to the two of them, I definitely you know, prefer the Draco, bottom Draco, intense Dom, you know, Severus. And that's, you know, that I love that. But I'll read both. I'm good with anything. See, in this situation, I do see Draco being a bottom, but I see Draco being a Dom from the bottom. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so very much leaning into the power bottom dynamic of I know what it is that I want and I'm going to get it. And yes, I that's will, true. Mm-hmm. And, and I am going to literally power through to get it because I... <laughs> I see Snape as not necessarily being more reluctant, but just mm-hmm. not knowing what he wants quite as much from the get-go because mm-hmm. he's so he's had to live quite a solitary life um, mm-hmm. and be away from all of that for so long that by the time he gets the space to be himself and to embrace that side of his nature, mm-hmm. it, it almost must seem a little bit alien to him. So I could see him almost handing the reins over to Draco yeah. to be like, well, tell me what you like and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. And then as their relationship develops and they both get more confident, mm-hmm. the balance becomes more um, sort of centralised. Mm-hmm. But at least initially, I see Draco being... Uh, very demanding mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and very um if if something isn't going right there's mm-hmm. comedy potential for him mm-hmm. pointing out exactly how he wants something to be done yes mm-hmm. so now of course I now i'm picturing so draco's obviously been trying like trying and trying every little thing like be that like I mean, I just now I'm it's kind of cracky, but also whatever, like be that like walking through the room, like with, you know, just a robe on or just his, you know, his, his, his tiny yeah. pants or like things like like yeah. all the little things to just be like, like what? I'm just, you know, like what? There's, you know, just ways to tease him and whatnot. And um, but but becoming more and more like obviously bold and determined because obviously it's like he's always gotten pretty much for the most part everything that he wanted like mm. growing up to so to have someone tell him no is really hard for Draco Malfoy you know so yeah. <laughs> so part of me is like okay Draco would reach the point where it would be a like probably a non-con somnophilia situation <laughs> where he t- <laughs> takes advantage of Snape in his sleep and gets him going and then Snape wakes up (laughs) (laughs) to Draco having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And then, of course, Severus is just like, like, you know, then he just loses all, you know, sense of restraint and is just like fine whatever like (laughs) first horrified and then just like whatever i'm i'm into this and then i'm gonna feel i'm gonna have a a huge like probably a month-long self-loathing where i won't even look at him (laughs) but that's more on snape though right i mean snape and self-loathing go hand in hand Mm -hmm. um 
And I feel like he would especially be confused about anyone bringing him happiness, joy, pleasure mm-hmm. of any sort. Because it's, you know, he's been quite happy to separate himself from all those things for such a long time. Yeah. That when they come crashing into him, he's going to have reservations about mm-hmm. that. He's not going to know what to do about them. Much less, and I mean, Draco is a very sort of effusive character. Um, Mm -hmm. he's going to be very forward about how he feels and how things are going. And let's say he does take charge. You know, how is Snape going to feel about everything else that's happening to him? Not just physically, but emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course he's going to go off and be, you know, have his brooding and... Mm -hmm. And need to figure out how that works for him. But the question is, how does he emerge from that? Like, does he come out of it being the Snape that we, we've we sort of come to know and either love or loathe, depending on your stance on Snape? Mm-hmm. Or does he come out of it being sort of freed, in a way, from this recalcitrant character of you know, living in his solipsistic little bubble of, you know, I need to withdraw from the world and the Mm -hmm. world cannot touch me. You know, when it it starts to become that he is very much alive and living in the world, Mm -hmm. does he embrace it? And in a very, I suppose in a slightly cracky way, but in a very (laughs) real way, um, it would be fun for him to do that with Draco because, you know... Like I say, they've both been through that trauma of war together. Um, and then once they have their IKEA rollout bed thing, thing? dumpster thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Draco's like, I'm not normally partial to muggle technology. <laughs> But in this case... Oh, Draco, but you'll like... Yeah, exactly. In this case, he's like, we have a perfectly good scourgify. (laughs) (laughs) Barrier charms anything. (laughs) Oh, Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What was I going to say? Oh, so, so coming off of what you were saying, part of me when it goes to, like, say whatever, something brings them together, like, sexually. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, like, you know, the whole time Severus has been fighting it and he just, he's, you know, been fighting it finally. It happens, but then be that whether he regrets it or whatnot. I see him, when it comes to Draco, questioning his motives you know what I mean like with Draco is it just like an itch he wants to scratch of like oh I'm you know trying to seduce my you know like my ex-teacher or my teacher or whatever Mm -hmm. and then Severus is like is this just some game for him um and I don't want to play the game like I don't want to play a game you know especially with someone you know younger or whatever um but then even if Draco comes forward as like no the reason why I want this is because I have feelings for you I feel like anyone coming to Severus with those intentions would he'd it would take him a while to believe it but I feel like when it comes to someone like Draco 
even Snape would be hesitant to be like, okay, I is this is this really something? It's it's not going to work long term. Like he's not he's just he can't see he can't see the you know it's just it would be hard for him to accept it, but. That's what I love about those sort of relationships of like you're just fighting, 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 and they're, you know, pushing, pushing, pushing just because yeah. you know at the end you're going to get that satisfying, you know, happy ending of them finally coming together. That's probably a reason why I love Severus so much with anybody is the fact that they have to work so hard to get him. And so yeah. that is just, the, it's like the chase to like Severus Snape's heart is just like it's tumultuous it's crazy it can be you know sexy and wild and hurt and all those things and but when it comes to someone like Draco like Draco's personality I see it a lot in Dreary too of like being what's in it for you like what's your what's your motivations for this is it sure. just you know it's just because we happen to be in the same place and you're just you're horny like is that is that the only <laughs> reason or but no, if it's if it's more, it's going to be really hard to convince, you know, convince Severus of that. Yeah. But also, do you think Snape has trouble visualizing anything in the long term because he's been so convinced that there was no long term for him for mm -hmm. ages? Oh, for sure. And I I could see him like with anybody, especially someone like Draco, like he sees him as a boy with like promise and you know able to like go places and 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 do things and make connections as well as like he knows Lucius and probably the expectations of the Malfoy family and what they would want for him be that you know arranged marriages or you know various things like that lots of things can come into play of reasons why Severus wouldn't couldn't see it long term because like people it wouldn't be accepted it's was it wouldn't be acceptable it's he just wouldn't feel like he could have him you know what i mean yeah yeah and i suppose it's it's coming off the back of the dynamic of what they used to be everybody mm -hmm. in a in a harry potter fanfic situation has to come off the back of the relationships they used to have and a lot of that comes from the baggage of what they were in school mm -hmm. but like this is why I love eighth year and up so much is that th yeah you, you stop having to be tied to those old definitions of like professor and student or mm -hmm. I mean and I know people still write that but I also love those authors that write them as human people that have mm -hmm. gone through stuff. We've seen it with Neville. We've seen it with characters like Hermione. You know, why can the same not also be true of Snape and Draco? Just mm -hmm. because they're darker characters or they've made, you know, very questionable dark choices in their past, that doesn't mean that they're not ultimately also a reflection of what they were having to go through at the time. And that's not mm -hmm. me excusing what they did, but also squaring that up against maybe a person is worth more than the sum of their actions. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is more good in them than they've than either of them have really been credited with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their frustration and sort of pent-up sexual energy, I think, can come from this idea of being misunderstood and somewhat underrepresented by the others on the good side. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That they're, they're like they're always the underdogs, or they're always because they were doing the spy thing. Mm -hmm. Um 
and you know sort of batting for both teams that it was mm-hmm. like oh well yeah yeah but you weren't really being good though because right. you weren't doing it the same way as we all were but, exactly but they had their roles to play in this mm-hmm. and you know ultimately um draco didn't make the choice to kill and mm-hmm. snape snape made choices to kill but arguably they were necessary from a tactical point of view right and he was repulsed into having to make them in the first place that was why he was arguing mm-hmm. with dumbledore and so i completely get that there's a lot of pent-up frustration with these two and it's easy for me to see why that would boil over into a sexual relationship mm-hmm. now i also think that long term that could be something more uh, sustainable between the two of them but only if Snape comes to his senses mm-hmm. and sees that there is more of a future for him than he gives himself credit for mm-hmm. oh yeah because I, I I feel like it would have to be like purely sexual in the beginning like it just it Absolutely. would be it just you know I just I just feel like Draco wouldn't settle for waiting for you know for romance no, to happen not. like he just like, it's, like you put it in there now like, yeah like I'm, I'm literally, done waiting literally just, like, put it in me already <laughs> draco was like fully dressed reading sitting by the fire and then snape's like okay i gotta go get something he's gone like five minutes comes back and draco's naked splayed out like spread <laughs> on the bed <laughs> Ready like, to big, go. <laughs> with a big conjured arrow pointing at his hole. Yes! Like. yes! <laughs> Enter here! <laughs> Woo! Like, Draco is many things, but subtle is not one of them. No. And I, <laughs> and I think... Maybe because he's been through the war more recently, he's more in tune with this idea of having to um, have some sort of therapy to get through all of these emotions Mm, that mm -hmm. he's feeling. And part of the resolution I think he sees for himself is sex therapy, where it's just like, if I can't talk to anybody about my feelings, I'm Mm going to have them banged out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh man. Yeah, so I feel like it would it would it would take some time to maybe like Draco would already be in the mindset of like this is already our future. Like our future is happening. Like even if you can't accept it like either Of course he would. He's so extra. <laughs> we are living like we are living together. Like we're, you know, we're obviously having sex all the time. Like we eat together. We do all these things together. Um I also love the idea of like um after the war Snape doesn't go back to teach because he was forced right. into that position, you know, like it yeah. ne- wasn't necessarily what he wanted to do. Um, it was like, it was literally a position that was like, you need, you come here and I can protect you and do all the things and whatever. I mean, Hogwarts was the place of his childhood, you know, like bullying and things like it's, it's not a place that he likes to be at. Um, so I could see him opening up like an apothecary or like some sort of like potions, something and then draco being like his apprentice like i see him going into potioneering um a lot of people write him that way as either becoming the new you know potions teacher or you know things like that later on but then we have you know the possibility of like draco wanting to not go the ministry route like go completely different from what 
you know, his family would expect of him. And then he, Snape either, like, offers, yeah. like, hey, I'd be willing to, you know, teach you if that's what you wanted. And then that was, you know, an opportunity that opened up into, whoops, we had sex. Like, like now we're never going to speak of it again. And Draco's like, yeah, like, I'm not going to hint at it all the time until it <laughs> happens again. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Snape was embarrassed, Draco wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> yes. That, that's, definitely, that's definitely the dynamic. But also, um, yeah, I could see Snape not going back to teach. I think um, if I were in his position, I'd be embarrassed. I mean, he was headmaster under the Carrows whenever they were torturing or mm-hmm. administering the, cur- the, the sort of Cruciatus curse lessons yeah. on first years you know i do think sometimes because i'm very sad and nerdy but i think sometimes about those first years yeah. and what that experience of coming to hogwarts must have been like for them mm-hmm. you know their experience of snape is going to be very different from someone who everyone else mm-hmm. yeah yeah who was coming through hogwarts at a different time um and I could see it being very difficult for students like that to forgive him presiding over that kind of cruelty, which is, you know, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but but coming at this from a, from a sort of a human point of view and in the interests of healing, I think it would be really interesting if Snape decided that he was going to put his, like, potioneering talents into, like healing oh um, yes i was going to talk about that too yes Mm -hmm. yeah anything at st mungo's he could have his sort of like 80s montage redemption arc yeah (laughs) as he's coming up with potions i see Mm -hmm. it happening um and of course draco is there to sort of be his emotional support through this because snape is so unaware of his own emotions that he mm-hmm. doesn't know he's not intellectually aware that he needs emotional support he's like what is this you know thing you've invented you know this is not a need that i have but then as as time goes on and draco is that for him he's mm-hmm. like oh yeah oh yeah i see why you're here and and that's how their relationship develops because yeah initially i see it being galvanized you know through the sort of the melting pot of sex but mm-hmm. But it it can be other things as well. And the fact that it can be, and in a way that isn't only cracky, is exciting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I absolutely love the idea of Healer Draco as like him wanting to do something to help and heal after all of, you know, the horrors he had seen and all the hurt that like his family, like his extended family all had some sort of hand in some really, you know, deep horrors of, you know, like his name has been dragged through the mud, like finding ways for him to not necessarily like want to be like reaccepted into society. Like I could see him also being like, I I can see how I would be undeserving, but I still want to try. And yeah, so that could be part of like he's going through healer training and, you know, maybe Snape is developing potions or is even, you know, doing things with St. Mungo's and opening up with their heart to hearts of how hard it is post-war and how, you know, with with everyone just like them being their own sort of, you know, outcasts and things like that. And so, yeah, but I, I love Healer Draco. I love when he's like, I want to do something to heal and to help when before everything was very like, 
like, you know, hurt and death and torture. And, you know, it was very different. Yeah. Because if your worldview has been really self-centered up mm -hmm. until a point, until you realize, and I think, um, I'm thinking of that scene where um, Voldemort murders Charity Burbage at, the, at Malfoy Manor. And Draco is witness to that. So up until up until a point, he's been very comfortable in his own bubble, his own little mm -hmm. sense of entitlement, if we want to call it that. And he hasn't had to think about other people, really. And then, through a series of events, the world comes knocking at his door. And he's like, oh... My actions are having, or my inactions even, are mm -hmm. having direct consequences on people and places that I care about. And that, you know, sets off a chain reaction in him that admittedly we don't see very much of in the movies. Mm -hmm. But I could see him, you know, move, that, that shift in him starting from that point where he then becomes, over time, more and more interested in ways to be well to to look outward at other people mm -hmm. to consider the wider world to maybe look at you know the muggle world again mm -hmm. in a in a different light um and see that otherness isn't necessarily this stain on society that he thought it was mm -hmm. but that in that in that otherness actually is his capacity for redemption. And I think I agree with you. I like Healer Draco, but I like it for that reason, mm -hmm. that it's born out of a desire to be something that he inherently wasn't at school. Mm -hmm. And I know we, we've talked about this before, where I have issues judging characters based on the moral decisions they make when they're 16 and 17 years old. Because... Yeah. Like, the decisions I would have made at 16 are not a reflection of who I am now. Yeah. So would I want to be judged by those yeah. parameters? Of course not. But then, of course, I'm not going to live to 150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. What if it had transpired that Snape wasn't working with the Order of the Phoenix? And in mm. fact, instead of triple-crossing people, he had... <laughs> He had double-crossed them mm -hmm. and was working with the Voldemort Bellatrix mm -hmm. side of the coin. Do you think Draco would have as easy a time of it ending up with Snape as he would otherwise? Like, what? what's the, the decision-making process there? Is it just a Snape is Snape and I love him for who he is? Or is there more consideration going on so i think with that there we we get some of that um like in the what is it half-blood prince like he um draco is obviously very like mistrusting of snape whereas otherwise they would have they had like a good you know relationship you know slytherin head of house whatnot um if but at this point like if he if he was still you know, playing the two sides and Draco wasn't aware of it until later. I don't know. I just, yeah, because I don't know. How would how would Snape's behavior be different? Would it be different? Because is, I guess it would be because he would be genuinely behaving and acting in a way that he 
believed in versus manipulating a situation. So Severus would be definitely have been more long term present in Draco's life. And like Draco grew up knowing and believing certain things. So at this point, you could see like, okay, these are two characters who aren't being redeemed. They're just two characters that are moving forward together and happen to, you know, end up together because of reasons. Um, So with that, I mean, I think that that is just like any sort of experience of like, oh, when anyone else would fall for someone that's either like a close friend or someone they know within, you know, their their comfortable environment. Like, I mean, even just there's there's not they're among their people like they're among the same people it it, they there's that goes unsaid it's not like uh worrying about how different each other are I'm trying to like I'm just I'm I don't know how to describe it other than that doesn't become a factor anymore like they're just people that believe and think the same things and things are happening around them is relation to that and they're they would just be different people both of them would definitely be different people obviously if Draco saw that there weren't any you know any people to like show him to think differently like especially if everyone that he loved and respected be that his parents or his aunt or because I always like to think that um Bella was very affectionate with Draco and was all like even though she was in Azkaban for a long time when she got out or before that even like she um when she was able to meet and be a part of her, you know, nephew's like life, she never, yeah. as far as we know, they never had their own children. So I love that idea of her being like, oh, sissy's little boy and wanting to, you know, be a part of that. So I just, I feel like Draco would, the situation is interesting because it still could be like, okay, there's these terrible, terrible people together, but there's also like, they have love for each other too. So it's just, it's a complex other side of things of like, they have some skewed thinking, but they do, you know, they, they can, they're, you know, they're allowed and there's nothing wrong with them finding love within that sort of environment. Sure. And I I suppose I asked that question because I know some humans who um, have fallen in love, got into relationships, and then one person in the relationship has almost sort of completely changed Mm -hmm. their political view or religious view or whatever it happens to be to almost accommodate this other person. Yes. Mm -hmm. Out of, I suppose, from their point of view, it's a grand gesture, uh, a welcoming in of... You know, if I accept this person, I accept everything about them. And if they right. want to live life this way, then I am also going to behave that way. And if Snape stayed dark, I can see Draco making that leap personally. Because mm-hmm. I see him being doing it in a sort of a, a dramatic way where he's committing to the character. And this is, this is how I see him making that choice. I'm like, yes, I... I can do this. I'm committing to the moment. Mm-hmm. And the, you know? Um, and I I don't want to just have that be a cracky thing where I, like, undervalue the seriousness of what goes on if both of them stay dark. Because mm-hmm. I know that they're capable of doing very evil things. And mm-hmm. I know that certain people write them that way and enjoy it as well. Mm-hmm. So... I want to give a shout out to those writers yes. because just because I like emotionally resolved, fluffy 
very sexy stuff mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you have to write it that way. Yeah. And my views on a ship are whether it's this ship or any ship that we've ever talked about are not prescriptive. They're just my views, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to um, convince anyone. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. being sponsored by anyone. This is just <laughs> what I think. I am sponsored by Fluffy Draco Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> In his little dumpster. His portable dumpster. <laughs> That's just... Oh, God. I hope that makes a regular comeback. Because I just think it's so... I just thought it was so funny that both me and my husband immediately looked at that. And we were like, huh. <laughs> no, no, but it, it's just... It's the way your mind works. Because we were talking yeah. about cum and then you immediately <laughs> went to dumpsters. And I was like... <laughs> Hmm. I see what you did there. I, I see how that link was made. Uh, yes, I too have ventured on the dark side of Tumblr. I know. <laughs> <laughs> to what you uh, refer. But yes, um, my point my point is, I suppose why I suppose why these characters are so great. Mm -hmm. is because they're so nuanced and there's so many sides to them and that's why people keep coming back to them Mm -hmm. and why if you ship this ship you ship it hard Mm -hmm. because there's so many like we we've talked at length about the sexy aspect of things but there's so many ways these two characters can get together and stay together you know i never used to think like this Mm -hmm. because you know being a, a filthy canon purist has its disadvantages. <laughs> and whenever you're whenever you sort of see the the novels as sacrosanct as I used to, mm-hmm. um, then you have a hard time looking at characters outside of their the canon selves. Right. But but then once you start acknowledging that these characters can have a life of their own. Mm-hmm. Things start to become not only fun, but a better reflection of the kind of people we are and times we live through. Mm-hmm. And maybe I just like the ultra sexy stuff because I want to have my own mm-hmm. portable dumpster. I'm, <laughs> I'm being Nathan is like going on Jackson Google right Pollock now. Painting. Where can I find a bagster? <laughs> Yeah, not necessarily a man, just a bagster. <laughs> just a bagster. So I'm ready when said man comes. <laughs> yeah, I'll be prepared. It's okay. I'll, like, I'll be on grinder and I'll just be like, no, give me 10 minutes to roll it out. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone comes in and pulls it out like, what the heck? is like, okay, you know you've been to Ikea and you know you want to take home everything. So this is just a one-stop <laughs> shot. Everything comes in separate pieces. Like you need to haul away in this big thing. So, so have you seen the meme? And it's like it's of a guy in a harness, but it's it's like uh, made of IKEA bags, and it's like when you're kinky but you're on a budget. <laughs> no, but I need to see that. when you're kinky. That's what I'm picturing. Oh, fantastic! Okay, so I remembered the thing that I because okay, I know yes. it was like Tell me about to do then. with like. With, like, um, inheritance and stuff like that. Okay, so I also love, especially with Snape, which we we talked about in the Snape chat episode, um, is marriage law fic. 
So like when, okay. you know, you, you have to be forced into a marriage and therefore that obviously influences you being in a relationship with someone. So I think of Draco as like potentially um, Severus being someone that either the Malfoys trusted enough to then be like, okay, I know I want to make a connection even though you're a half-blood. Either the prince line is like very prominent like sometimes um mm-hmm. snape's like grandparents come out like say like his mother was disowned when she married a muggle but the princes right. are still a prominent family so when snape comes into his inheritance he has you know he he, he may still he still has spinner's end or he's still a professor or whatever mm-hmm. but he has you know that status he's still the head of the house of prince you know what i mean so that's a opportunity for potentially draco to become betrothed or in some fashion tied to to severus because he has those connections that could benefit their family either post-war when um the malfoy name is like you know, has been shamed or whatever, like anything mm-hmm. to pull Draco out of where he is to like, it's like, oh, he has to obviously rely on a different name because the Malfoy name isn't, you know, what it used to be. Uh, so that kind of plays into when I was picturing like, oh, they, for some reason, they have to be forced to like live together or share a space. Like, oh, that's where it can, you know, it could fit in that way if for whatever reason they were forced into some sort of marriage contract and then the whole time Severus is thinking about like okay we need to find our ways out of this because obviously Draco this isn't what Draco wants this is what his parents wanted and and I was willing to do it for whatever reasons or they neither of them had a choice but they were I could see Severus wanting to find a way to get out of it and then maybe Draco did too because he's like I can't believe that my parents married me to my you know teacher or someone you know 20 years older than me whatever reason but then eventually obviously falling for him and then not wanting it to end but then and Severus just being like no 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 like you're giving up so much of like you're so young like there's so much more out there and Draco's just like no this is actually I couldn't imagine anything better than what we have together so so I love that. The idea of... Because love Draco. transcends all boundaries. Yes, exactly. So, yep. So marriage marriage law, forced proximity. Like, get those people to, to share a space. And obviously, <laughs> they'll try and kill each other first. And then, they'll, and then they'll have angry sex. And then they'll fall in love. And it'll just be great. <laughs> I was going to say I need that as a rom-com. But ah, if... Ah, yes. But if there, there was gonna, it was going to be like a rom-com, but then with an X-rated section, I wouldn't be mad at that either. Never. <laughs> so I just have a question, though. Whenever you're picturing Sexy Snape, are you picturing Adam Driver? That's a yes. That's, that, that's, so, so, so Meg is just smiling and like wistfully like thinking to herself, like, hmm, who do I picture as Sexy Snape? But... <laughs> oh man yes i i love the idea of adam driver as as snape even though it's like i usually picture him as like obviously super tall really skinny on the verge of like malnourished like he's just he's just this tall skinny like but but yeah when it i love adam driver is 
I just love fitting him in as a headcanon like once in a while with different it depends on the ship it depends on the story and um I still love that meme you made for me it's I go back to it all the time and reference it so much when it's like Achilles and then his heel and then whatever guy in his hair and then it's like Meg's and then a picture of Adam Driver as Severus Snape it's just like every hero or every like legend has their weakness or something like yes. that. Yes. Oh my god, that was that killed me, and it still kills me. Oh my gosh! It's just in this scenario, I have a harder time casting Draco because it requires mm. such a presence, such a command yeah. of. And an awareness of one's own sense of ego mm-hmm. to be able to pull that off. And I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know who I would cast as Draco. But as a slightly different suggestion to our listeners, I'm going to say if you have headcanon castings for dramatic fan fiction Draco, mm-hmm. send those to us at Care of Magical Shippers at gmail.com because I really want to know who you would cast mm-hmm. opposite Adam Driver in the steamy... Yes! <laughs> yes, who would be with Adam Driver? Or Yeah, tweet at us. That's really easy. Magical Ship Pod. Just, yeah, send us a tweet. Send us photos. I don't, I don't care who it is, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I love Tom Felton, but it's like Tom Felton created his own unique, you know, Draco, just like the books have the Draco. Tom Felton has like his movies draco but then when it gets into fan fiction like i just i definitely picture someone totally different just like i have never pictured snape when reading anything as alan rickman like just like i can appreciate him as snape in the movies but it's literally like i only see him as snape in the movies i've never seen him whenever i see him used in stories be that like mood boards or cover art or whatever i'm like i'm like caught off guard because i'm like that's not (laughs) that's not snape like just because that's not the you know the snape that i picture so yeah so i'm intrigued by this though is that because you were reading the books when you were younger and you had this sort of formative idea of who Mm -hmm. Snape should be before you ever saw the movies? Or is it because you see fanfic Snape as somebody entirely different? It's definitely from reading the books like before the movies and having, and, and because Alan Rickman's character is so different from the book, Snape because he's like he he made the character likable like he was obviously still brilliant he did a great job but when you read the books or listen to the audiobooks like that's what I pretty much did it's like you're just reminded how like how nasty his character is and like how he's described yeah he's terrible um but even so like I think he's described with like a goatee or you know something like I don't remember how he was described at some point somewhere (laughs) but I'm like I don't see that either but it's what I pictured for all of the characters as like an 11 through you know whatever 18 year old as the books came out is definitely what I consistently see in my head like when I'm reading fan fiction like I don't picture for the most part I think one of the only ones that I no there's there's a couple like Maggie Smith as McGonagall I'm like okay yes like I like I see I think of her and I'm like she was a great McGonagall like technically too old if you're going you know off of like canon um but i loved her and then of course who they 
like uh, cast for Hagrid, like making a Hagrid's to see Hagrid's character in real life, like helped create a character yeah. that I couldn't necessarily picture because you're like, oh yeah, like a man who's like four people wide and two men tall and both like you're just, I mean, at least like even though he's really tall and he's not to the size extent that the book describes, like he's still a big guy. So I can still picture him and be like, oh, that's yeah. my Hagrid. And so there's a couple characters that it, now in the movies, like it's still kind of a cartoon in my brain, if that makes sense. But <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, Snape for me is very, usually very strictly like a really tall, looming skinny dude like just like you know pale and skinny long point like pointy features his hooked nose like long you know long greasy hair (laughs) (laughs) greasily greasing himself through the dungeons (laughs) with his sallow waxy skin which you know every single description of snape is just like his emaciated yeah (laughs) pale face (laughs) yeah who doesn't want it yeah exactly it just so but i i love that about him and i just like it's yeah it's it's i love i love him that way (laughs) i just do but i also love the idea of adam driver as snape too like that's that's super fun also that's fair and i (laughs) i also thought they deliberately leaned into that idea of character when they cast ezra miller in fantastic beasts Mm -hmm. because he sort of fits that type as well Mm -hmm. he's the sort of pale faced long black hair pointed nose it's Um, funny because yeah in that in the last movie when he was shown with the long hair i'm like that's just young severus yes I was like, Ezra would be an amazing, like, Marauders era Severus Snape. Like, oh, it would be so mm-hmm. great. Yeah, I was like, that's that's Snape. That's Snape. I just, yep. Like, that character is going to die because that's obviously what's going to happen. And then reincarnation is obviously Ezra can also play. <laughs> once he gets his shit together and is no longer a whatever person he is but just... yeah uh, leaving you know the personal issues aside yes. uh, we we hope they get resolved and um yes just just in terms of character yes uh he he played a very familiar kind of character yes. i want to say mm-hmm. um and i feel like that was deliberate but also when you were talking about tom felton coming up with his own kind of Draco. Uh, I definitely feel like he did that because his Draco isn't the Draco we see in the books. The Draco we get in the books is a lot more posh. He's a lot more entitled. He's a lot more of a mummy's boy. Mm-hmm. He's very codified as, you know, someone that, you know, went to a very posh school um, mm-hmm. and was used to just the finer things in life, yes. I think. And... Tom Felton was able to imbue the character with a kind of a roguish charm mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people responded to. But then, in terms of fanfic Draco, it, it requires even a bigger leap mm-hmm. because that character is so extra. Yes. Is, is so, like, uh, the literal definition of camp is often, like, often has, like, glittery eyeshadow <laughs> and is wearing a cape and platform boots and is just a statement piece in and of themselves. So I would really love to know from our listeners who they see in that role opposite somebody like 
either Adam Driver or mm-hmm. Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. Here for that. <laughs> oh, all right. What is there anything else we wanted to cover? I feel it's... like I've more or less yeah. covered everything I that I, I wanted to say. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, obviously, I I I'm also here for just some like plain old like teacher detention punishment porn just is absolutely <laughs> here for that <laughs> we'll wrap up this episode with some some punishment <laughs> naughty boy naughty naughty draco <laughs> mr malfoy this is the last time you will cross me yeah oh my gosh Oh, man. Oh, dear. We've been wild this episode. Yes. This has been our smuttiest, filthiest, nastiest episode <laughs> today. Really? Yeah, it probably Happy has. birthday, Megs. <laughs> it just goes to show the growth of, I mean, even just like us, like both of us, but also like yeah. me with like, when I, if I thought about what I started reading when I was, you know, exposed to fanfic, like... I mean, it, it started with, like, fanatical fix cracky, you know, stuff. And, yeah. like, you know, very, like, wholesome and, and, like, slow burn, but, like, romance novel-y type of stuff. And now I'm just, yeah. like, nothing. There's – I see no bounds as far as content goes. And a lot of times I'll be done with something and, like, I cannot believe I read that and really liked it. Like, it is <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I could read 130,000 words of just porn. Yes. Just porn. Yes. And I'd be happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so that was super <laughs> the Baxter. <laughs> we, we've both been on a journey. Mm-hmm. And it's fitting that on your birthday we celebrate the um, smuttier side of our enjoyment of the community. Yes. Because there is some great smut. I mean, I... Um, I've been reading some horror novels uh, written by a, uh, an English author, I think in the 1980s, and the horror aspects of them are very good. It's very well written, but there are some sex scenes in there, and they make me laugh because I'm so used to reading like high octane fanfic uh-huh. sex scenes that whenever there's like slightly tame mention of unbu- like unbuttoning yeah. somebody's blouse I'm like oh please just get to it just yeah, do just, it all just rip it off buttons everywhere no one cares <laughs> <laughs> oh man Oh, man. But it is funny when it comes to other fandoms or, like, original works or things like that to be like, oh, they don't have magic. (laughs) Yes. There are no shortcuts here. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I do appreciate magic for the ability to, you know, conjure lube out of nowhere. Yeah. Or, you know, suddenly clothes aren't there anymore. And it's just like, this is so handy. Why don't we have this? (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, well, this was so much fun. I love that it was, I just love that, well, to start, we were like, I mean, this happens a lot, where 10 minutes before we're even starting, I'm like wrapping up Snape chat, and so I asked Nathan, hey, what do you want to do? And <laughs> and even the two options that I think you gave, then we went, I we went completely away from, and then now we did, we we're like, yeah, Severus and serious and then 
hey, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> We've never started an episode and then five minutes in gone, do you know what? We're going to do a different episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I introduced this episode as snack. And to be fair, <laughs> listeners, I feel like you got a tasty dish. I don't think it's what you were expecting. Yeah, it's still. I feel like it. It's still snacko. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a meaty mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Custard donuts to be had. <laughs> but I'm gonna look on our page next, and there's just gonna be like your custard donut merch was successfully added. <laughs> No, don't do this to me. And it's going to have a hello, my name is Draco on it. No. No. What are you doing to me? I used to be a respected academic and now I'm talking about becoming a human Jackson Pollock painting inside a rollout dumpster. What have you done to me? you Nathan oh. I love this podcast I love it. <laughs> this is just I don't even know. Oh. wow you know I just keep coming back for more I'm like <laughs> I'm like Snape in this situation <laughs> I don't know why I'm enjoying myself but I just keep coming back for more every time <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. just like <laughs> oh man oh tears so yeah so Thank you, listeners, for sitting through that, whatever that is, mm-hmm. if you made it all the way till now. <laughs> and once again, who knows if I'll be in the next episode because I'm still, luckily I was able to record today because my parents were out of town. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be another week. It would have been not, I wouldn't have been able to be a part of it, which is really sad. But so far, we've done super great we have i mean we had the one with danny because you had the crazy concert (laughs) i did (laughs) yes um but no but it's been it's been it's been good like i mean everything has been working out great so far so hopefully you know we'll we'll see how it goes as far as next time so yeah so thank you listeners definitely um you know either send us an email or tweet at us like your thoughts on, you know, the dy- dynamic and why you would ship, you know, Snape and Draco. Do you have any fan fiction wrecks that you have? Um, who do you picture as, you know, the Draco in this situation? Like, we'd love to, you know, see all those face casts and things like that. So, so yeah, let us yeah. send them out to us. And even if you don't want to just directly get in touch, just know that we love you. Mm-hmm. And we are... So, like, every single time I come back to this, I'm just so heartened by the community. Everybody is just so lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the reason why we do this. Thank you for um, chuckling along with me. It's just really great. Thanks mm-hmm. for being here. Thanks. We appreciate you. Yeah. So, until next time, read some Snape and Draco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we don't have a sign off again we still we don't. just <laughs> we just crash into the lighthouse <laughs> of metaphor <laughs> until next time draco is still a custard donut bye oh, no oh my god oh no <laughs> <laughs> goodbye i guess <laughs>
<laughs> so now that you've finished enjoying that episode, I bet you're wondering what we're going to be talking about next time. Will it be a ship? Could it be a trope? What about a character-centric episode? Editing Megs, put the listeners out of their misery. Next time, we'll be focusing on... Hermione Granger and Victor Crumb, with guest host Bess from WZRD Radio. So come back to enjoy that at your earliest possible convenience. But, you know, preferably sooner rather than later, because we do make it so you listen to it. And we hope you enjoy it. Remember your Gunkle Nathan's advice. Be kind to each other, manage your mischief, and we'll catch you in the next one soon.